You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, You uh, noticed that uh, this show doesn't have a Montreal or Philadelphia logo on it. It's our general press zone uh, logo, which means once again, we are combining uh, our audiences. You know, we did, we had so much fun doing it last week for our 200th episode uh, that with the NHL draft and all of the news that's been happening in the past week, uh, we put together a jam packed show for both of our audiences today. And we can't wait to get you right into it. I am your host, uh, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, Amy Johnson, and I'm joined each and every week by my tremendous co-host, couldn't do this show without him, and he is our editor-in-chief and founder here at Rocket Sports Media, the one and only Rick Stevens. We're we're combining our our fan bases uh, virtually. I I don't know if we'd want to get them in the same room necessarily. If I had a giant bucket of popcorn, I would. (laughs) No, I mean, the hockey fans can be hockey fans. They can be very partisan, obviously. They can. Um, but at draft time, it's uh, we we have gotten groups together at draft time mm-hmm. from all different fan bases. So one of the things we like to do is run a contest with the NHL to uh, bring hockey fans from all over North America to uh, the draft. We're, we weren't able to do that this year or last year, but uh, hope to do it next year in Montreal. And we haven't done that since 2009. Well, and the interesting thing is, when we did that back in 2009, uh, we met one of uh, one of our longest-running Twitter hockey friends, who also happens to be one of our two special guests on the show today. So Lovely. that all ties together very nicely. We are going to get to that in just a minute. But yes, that is a little teaser. We've got not one, but two special guests on the show today. You are not going to want to miss a minute of this. Um, that is, if you can tear yourself away from social media uh, with all the hockey news that's dropping, or if you can tear yourself away from the television uh, as the Tokyo Olympics uh, are, are currently happening. Unfortunately, even though the Olympics are uh, one of my most favorite events every two years, whether it's the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics, and there has just been so much happening uh, in the NHL that I haven't, I, I regret to say I haven't watched one single second of the games. Um, hopefully I'll get to remedy that here in, in the next week or so. But 
The games are underway, uh, and uh, believe it or not, DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo, and they're offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs, and the best part is that it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the DraftKings app, you go to the pools section, and you choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during the day's events. Then track your results through the evening to see if you'll achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Uh, And again, that's promo code THPN stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, we certainly hope that you take full advantage of that. Now, Rick, we mentioned that we've got a really exciting show for our listeners today. Uh, Two special guests that you're not going to uh, want to miss. They're uh, a wealth of knowledge and uh, some some good good fun and laughs at the same time. So you don't want to miss it. Uh, In our first segment, we are going to kind of have a bit of an NHL draft review. Rick and I are going to go over some highlights and, well, lowlights of this year's NHL draft, which was certainly... um, a lot of things. It was fun. It was exciting. It was surprising. It was shocking. It was, there was all sorts of, all sorts of adjectives you could come up with. We're going to give our, uh, a quick look at that before we invite on our first special guest, uh, Russ Cohen from sportsology.com and EP ringside. He's going to join us today to analyze a couple of the Habs and Flyers draft picks and, uh, tell us what to expect from some of these young fellows. Uh, then in our second segment, we're going to cover some uh, up-to-date NHL news. Of course, qualifying offers for restricted free agents. Those lists came out this week. We'll tell you uh, who the Habs and the Flyers qualified and who then was left out and will go UFA tomorrow. Um, get you caught up on the latest rumors for Montreal and Philadelphia as far as roster updates. Uh, And then that leads us into our second special guest. He's that guy that we were mentioning we've known for a little while, uh, thanks to our uh, NHL draft parties. And that would be the one and only Joe Yurden with AP Sports uh, and uh, Die by the Blade. And he's going to be with us today to break down all the drama around the Buffalo Sabres. You know, there's rumors that Eichel could go to Montreal. Uh, Ristolainen has now found himself in Philadelphia. Lots Lots of things uh, brewing with the Buffalo Sabres in terms of and relation to Montreal and Philly. So we're going to bring Joe on to talk a bit about that today. And then finally, we'll take a spin around the AHL and just get you caught up on some other news outside of the NHL before we send you on your way to buckle in and get ready for free agency this week. Well, that's uh, (laughs) quite a full show. It's been quite a busy week and uh, we'll continue to be that way with free agency opening at noon Eastern tomorrow. I 
can hardly wait. <laughs> uh, but first, we need to take a look at what's happened in the last week since we all got together. Um, the NHL draft, of course, took place. Uh, the expansion draft took place. I, sh- I should say, uh, for Habs fans, be sure to ha- check out our uh, All Habs YouTube page. Uh, ben has had some new fan reaction videos, both to the expansion draft and to uh, the NHL entry draft. You want to check those out. Um, but once we got to the, the meat of last week, which was the entry draft, um, little disappointing for Flyers fans uh, when they suddenly were without a first-round pick on Friday night after Chuck Fletcher traded it away in the package that brought Rasmus Ristolainen to Philadelphia. Uh, but F- uh, Montreal, on the other hand, with uh, the 31st overall pick, um, Rick, you could say it, the one thing that was interesting throughout the entire first round was that there were certainly some surprises, uh, definitely some guys that went way ahead of where they were projected to, other guys falling pretty far, uh, whether it's falling pretty far in the first round or even bumping down to the second round. I, th- I feel like a little bit, uh, and, and and we're going to talk about this with, with Russ in, here in a little bit, but Picks were a little bit all over the board in general, particularly in the first, first and second rounds. For sure, um, this was this was a, a year where uh, viewings were limited. In-person view, viewings were limited. Uh, some of the uh, leagues, the OHL, for example, didn't even get underway. So uh, there have been players that uh, haven't played, and and scouts were having to make up their uh, minds or rank them on their lists. Um, you know, with with uh, a lack of information, there wasn't the typical NHL combine, so that chunk of, of those those metrics were uh, not available. So that led to uh, far more randomness uh, when it when it came to um, the the order of the uh, the prospects. Some of the highlights for me, particularly in the first round, were um, and it's and it's really one of the biggest things that stands out. Uh, to us when we do go to the draft uh, every year with our contest winners. And typically the NHL uh, puts us down in the lower bowl with the draftees and their families. And one of the best aspects of it is getting to watch the reactions of the families of of these guys as they get drafted. Uh, certainly the, the hockey players themselves are certainly nervous and excited and anticipatory, but watching their parents and brothers and sisters and grandparents and family and friends uh, react is always very special. And the two that really stood out for for me personally, uh, Jack Hughes could not, I think he was more excited than Luke was. I He could not stop jumping, literally jumping up and down on top of Luke. His reaction was so pure and just genuine and just sweet to see that that brotherly love. Um, and um, Brian Boucher, when Tyler Boucher surprisingly went 10th overall, um, Brian Boucher, of course, was, was interviewed shortly afterwards. And you're so accustomed to either hearing Brian Boucher speak to the media uh, from his playing days, which is, of course, very, you know, the, that formal athlete media uh, sound, or as a, as a TV analyst uh, and, and commentator. And it was really touching to see Brian Boucher just be a dad. Uh, and, and he was obviously very proud of his son um, and just having a big time proud dad moment uh, and just uh, 
really, really love those those moments throughout the draft. For sure. Um, Shane Doan getting to be, rather yes. than a, a hockey exec, getting to be a dad uh, mm-hmm. with Josh Doan. Uh, you talked about brothers. There was uh, Colton Doc uh, getting picked by the Blackhawks in the second round. Kirby Doc, very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, the you mentioned the the Hughes brothers. The the other family situation that was really quite touching was uh, Tom Curvers, uh, of course, yes. passing away recently, and his father, uh, his family, um, the his sons making the picks for. Uh, the Minnesota Wild, um, all kinds of it. You know, the uh, it being the University of Michigan draft, uh, four in the first round. Uh, sorry, five in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, six total. Six players from Sweden in the first round. Uh, there was all kinds of fabulous, uh, uh, exciting. Uh, happy, momentous stories uh, throughout the draft. There certainly were. The draft is really an exciting, it's it's an exciting event. Uh, these are the future NHL stars of tomorrow. Some of them are going to be those stars much sooner uh, than others. Some of them are going to have a very long and arduous road to get to the NHL if they ever do. Um, and it's just really fascinating to watch their journeys start uh, by being drafted. Um, overall, uh, the I, I was pretty pleased with how Philadelphia drafted. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those players here in a moment with with Russ Cohen. And, and the same for Montreal. I thought uh, Montreal had some, some very solid picks as well. Um, I guess the elephant in the room is the, is the bombshell that Montreal kind of uh, introduced into the proceedings on Friday night when with the 31st pick overall, which can we just talk about for just a moment how – ungodly long both days of the draft just yeah, went on was... and on and they thought they were going to be done the broadcast at three o'clock on saturday they they under they under under plan that by over like three and a half hours i mean it was very very poorly run this year jim gregory um bless his soul uh ran a tight ship in yes, in the did. day when and uh you know many times in the live draft we we're out by just after two o'clock in the afternoon um yeah and sitting down with our contest winners for a drink at three <laughs> that's right um th- this didn't go that way at all no so after habs fans and and hockey fans in general were made it through hours of the first round of the draft montreal gets there with with the 31st pick overall, and we all know by now that they selected defenseman Logan Mayu. And um, I don't think anybody paid attention to the 32nd draft pick because uh, everything pretty much melted down at that point. Um, we're not going to go into great detail of it on this program because our sister podcast, the one that Rick uh, co-hosts with Joseph Whalen, uh, Canadians Connection, they took a very deep dive on this selection by the Montreal Canadiens on their most recent podcast uh, on Sunday. And I am going to invite everyone and welcome you to go to canadiansconnection.fm and check out that episode. Um, not all, you know, it's an emotional topic. It was an emotional pick. The reaction is very, is very emotional. I think a collective what went went around the hockey world um but then in the very immediate 24 hours after that there's been there's been a, a, a there's been understandably a lot of outrage there's been a lot of um accusations made um and 
it seems that from the journalistic side of things, um, not a not always balanced reporting. And I understand it's hard. It's hard to be an objective reporter, whether you're a sports reporter or a news reporter, whatever it is that you report on. It's hard to be objective when suddenly you're confronted with a topic that is exceptionally polarizing, is very emotional, and is is just causes so many raw emotions to bubble up to the surface. Um, what I was disappointed in for myself, and I'm I should. I should say, you know, we here at Rocket Sports do not condone what Logan Mayu did while he was in Sweden. Um, should say that first and foremost. We're not trying to make any excuses or anything. But here we we focus on objectivity in journalism. And so we recognize what he did. We recognize that it was exceptionally wrong for him to do. And we agree with the fact that he was convicted and punished. Um what I was disappointed in, and, you know, I I hear so many people talking about, but what about the victim? What about the victim? What about the victim? And I certainly say, what about the victim? Um, from a woman's standpoint, um, I'm pretty sure that after this had been pretty, this had been kind of wrapped up months ago in Sweden, this happened, you know, the, the, the court case was back in December, um, I'm sure the victim isn't appreciating suddenly this international attention that's been brought back up. Uh, it was a it was a quiet matter when it was when it was handled back then. Now she's the center of an international hockey scandal. Um, I feel for her for that. Uh, it's not a position I'm sure she wanted to be in. Um, and also from my perspective, yes, um, I I really I, I don't agree with what this young man did, but. At the same time, I also don't agree with reporters being very one-sided on this. Uh, that takes multiple sides to a story. Um, and I appreciated how, Rick, you and Joseph, on this past episode of Canadians Connection, uh, you were able to both express how you felt about the pick, how you felt about Logan Mayu, but also were able to cover the actual selection and the situation from an objective reporting standpoint and cover all ends of the spectrum. Um, and I, for one, appreciated that we've heard from other listeners and readers who, who very much appreciate that. And that's why I'm encouraging our listeners to go listen to that segment as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. That it, it, it wasn't a, an easy uh, topic to cover. Um, as you said, we talked about our own feelings. We talked about um, how our team reacted at the moment of the pick because we were all uh, connected, uh, communicating uh, about it. And uh, and yes, it was uh, um, uh, offensive. It was criminal. Um, all of that. But um, our our job as journalists is is not to drive the outrage train and and. Um, and I, I guess it, it bothered um, me and it bothered uh, many of our listeners um, that, you know, that, that simple, there was a lot of false information out there that simple basic facts were, were wrong. Um, outrage sells, uh, unfortunately, and, and we just thought that was uh, exploitation. Um, and so what we tried to do is, is be rational, be level-headed, be balanced and and uh, deliver 
the story as uh, as best we could um, and uh, with the facts that we knew. And uh, that's uh, the, the most recent edition, episode 147 of The Canadian's Connection. And you did that while also providing space for both you and Joseph to have your emotional reaction too um, and, and say, you know, this was, this was, this is the objective reporting. And on the other side of that, here's how we personally feel about it. Um, so I, I, I really appreciated that. And and the saga is going to continue. This uh, isn't going to go away. There's news reports that are now out that some of uh, the Canadians sponsors and major advertisers are balking and reaching out to the Canadians and, and that there may be some effects and fallout there. Um, the Canadians are rumored to be putting out a statement again, uh, sometime in the next 24 hours. So this story will continue to evolve. We'll continue to bring you the facts about it as we know them. Let me also just add that in uh, Canadians Connection podcast episode 147, we led with um, an analysis and a full breakdown of each of the prospects taken in mm-hmm. rounds rounds two through seven. That was up front. Uh, because we don't, we feel that that those uh, picks should be celebrated. They should be explained. They should be talked about, and that uh, any of the attention given uh, to uh, Logan Mayo shouldn't take away from from their uh, very happy and momentous draft day. That is very true and a very good point. Uh, that shouldn't overshadow. Uh, his selection shouldn't overshadow the selection of the other prospects uh, who who were chosen by the Canadians. So we will keep our tabs on that. Uh, I'm sure there will be continuing developments with it as it goes on. But right now we do want to talk about the rest of those draft picks for Montreal and all of Philadelphia's draft picks. Uh, And to do that, we have a very special guest with us. It's jam-packed show uh, today here on the Press Zone. Of course, we are combining both of our audiences, our Montreal audience and our Philadelphia-based audience on a, on a special uh, post-draft pre-free agency show here on the Press Zone. And uh, we are very pleased to be joined right now by uh, a great friend and colleague, a, a wonderful mind in the hockey community, and that is Russ Cohen, owner of Sportsology.com and a hockey analyst on Sirius XM Radio. Russ, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Rick. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, and we're uh, glad to have you here. Um, talking about prospects, talking about the uh, entry draft. Um, for the Montreal Canadiens, if we can start there, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Canadians uh, over the past year uh, have lost. Uh, they've lost Noah Juleson. They've lost Kale Fleury, and and uh, will be out without uh, Shea Weber next year. All all right-handed defensemen. So there seem to be uh, priority placed in this draft uh, with Trevor Timmons looking for right-handed defensemen. So I wanted to ask you about one of those, uh, and uh, him being a Dmitry Kostenko. Um, and, uh, you do some work with elite prospects and, and they mm-hmm. attached, uh, their grade was uh, a do not draft kind of thing. So I wanted to find out your, uh, your take on him and, and see if, uh, that meshed with, um, with, uh, the elite prospects folks. No, I mean, that's, that's always the thing that, you know, we vote on things and not everybody votes on do not draft. I, I wasn't a do not draft on them. I, I will say we all know that the under-18s got a more of a grade than anything else, so he wasn't great in that, right? So mm-hmm. there's that. And I think that maybe, you know, caused some of it. But there are, th- there are things to like, and I always like to uh, 
to point out the good, I, I think the the skating is good. I think the puck moving is good. The shot, it's okay. I don't know if it's great, but it's but it's decisive. So that part's good. There's um, a willingness to to lay some hits. So that's good. And we have to remember, I think also part of the problem is is when you know they're playing in like the VHL, yeah, VHL and the MHL. Like it's not the AHL. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And but he did average um like a little over 15 minutes of ice time. He won 56 percent of his puck battles. That's according to Instat. We use a lot of them at uh, Elite Prospects, and so those are those are good things. He um, the wrist shots, you know, probably his best shot that I see as far as translating. Not everybody has to have a booming slap shot, and, and but his passing's really good. Like I think I look at his passing as maybe his his best asset, whether it's on the power play or otherwise. So I think that's something where, you know, you can hang your hat on that and and say, all right, you know, but a right-handed shot defenseman, if I'm shorter than now, it's not like I'm getting him soon. I, right. Although I know the Habs have had um, the misfortune of rushing some guys and then mm-hmm. some guys who they brought up, didn't they didn't want to use a lot in the playoffs and they should have, and then they figured that out with uh, Alexander Romanov. But I think, you know, with Kostenko, I think you need him to stay there and play a couple of years in the KHL before you worry about what he could do next. But I do think there's, there's something there. I don't think he's a do-not-draft. So uh, he'll be playing for Spartak uh, next year in the KHL. Um, and... Uh, you know that's uh, he's he's billed as an offensive defenseman, um, mm-hmm. but uh, sometimes when in in the KHL they aren't allowed necessarily to be offensive defensemen. Um, but is that a good training ground or a next step for him coming from the VHL? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the right step to make because a lot of times if they are on the big clubs and they're young, they don't get power play time. They don't get a lot of ice time. And so at least, you know, at least when he was getting over 15 minutes on average wherever he was playing, that's good. That's a good place to start. He may not even get, gotten that if he played for one of the big clubs this year. So I think yeah. there's something to be said about that. I always want to see um, players get their time, you know. And so that's that's something that to me is a uh, – is a big deal. So actually, yeah, his U18s was a year before, but I watched the U18s the year before too, and I was just underwhelmed. He wasn't a this year U18. That was, uh, I think I said that earlier, but that was my bad. So until he's uh, ready to come from the KHL, looks like another defenseman's coming from the KHL, that being Chris Weideman, or so says Chris Johnson anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, James. We'll, we'll see how that works out. He'll <laughs> be cheap. That's, be cheap. Well, that's, that is true. Um, switching gears over to the, the Philadelphia organization now, um, of course, uh, Chuck Fletcher uh, trading away his, his first round pick. Uh, so the first time that the Flyers got on the draft board, uh, it was when they selected former uh, forward Samu Tuamala, who um, is actually in the U.S. right now. He's in Plymouth, Michigan uh, with uh, Team Finland at the USA Hockey World Junior Summer Showcase. Um, in fact, he... Uh, 
played. Uh, he's got he had one assist in uh, the first game against Sweden on Saturday night, mm-hmm. uh, and then actually in the third period, gotten a little bit of a a tussle with uh, another ha- uh, Flyers prospect, Emil Andrea. Um, so mm-hmm. they they both headed the penalty box for uh, for some roughing minors. But uh, Russ, you know, everyone seems to be pretty excited about Tuamala. Watching him even yesterday playing against uh, Team White for the USA, uh, I was I was liking uh, what I was seeing from from his skating and his mobility but can you give us your thoughts on on this pick by the flyers yeah i mean first thing is if he's if he's fighting with andre you would think he'd be able to take him he, he's a little bigger than him but andre's a tough little guy too so that's that's interesting he's a great skater and he does a lot of things on the rush and i like his vision and i like his passing i do think he uh has to work on his defense and i and so on the call the other day, I asked him a couple of questions. One of them was um, talking about his speed on the rush, and that is something that he feels will translate, and I, I think that will translate. I know he says he wants to be like David Pasternak, so does everybody, right? So I don't, <laughs> but I, but I think that the Flyers were specifically hoping that they got a goal scorer here. I think that's the uh, the hope down the line, and and that could happen, and so I do think there's a chance of that. Uh, but I also asked him about. If there's a loose puck, if he gets to it first, because of that speed, and he was sort of like a little hesitant, and it's like, yeah, you know, I kind of have to work on that part of my game. And that that is something where if you're going to translate to North America, goal scorer or not, uh, you're going to have to take advantage of those things, especially if you do want to get goals, because sometimes that's the best way to, to get a goal scoring chance, is to mm-hmm. jump on a loose puck and take it. So I do think there's a little work on that. I think his work that he has to do in, in the corners, and that's going to be with getting stronger and everything. But, you know, he showed some feistiness today. That's good. Uh, but I do think there's there's something there for sure. Do I think uh, there were maybe better players on the board that I liked in my perspective? Maybe. Yeah, I do. But I don't think this is a bad pick by any stretch. I thought this was one where I said, ah, you know what? This could be good. And because they could leave him over there for a while, they don't have to worry about, you know, signing him for a while. Uh, he could play all next year there, maybe even plays the year after, and then you start worrying about him. So I think in that regard, that's good too, because they have a lot of guys still in their system here. So it's okay to have some guys over there too. So um, the Canadians went into the, the draft uh, with 11 picks and they made some trades and uh, picks along the way, but they came out of the draft with nine players. And uh, we thought it'd be interesting to, to let you uh, pick one of those uh, 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 prospects and, and uh, tell us who, who intrigued you. Okay. Well, I liked uh, the pick of Oliver Kapanen and not because of the bloodline. I can't tell you how overused <laughs> that was on yeah. NHL Network. Yeah. Oh, if was. everybody was great compared to their bloodline, wow, we would have some NHL, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. But that is not the case. <laughs> and I don't really want to single out guys, but there were some guys that that they were showing in that list that were drafted that just aren't very good, to be honest. Yeah. And so, you know, bloodlines are great. Uh, the fact that maybe teams went for that a little bit in a year that's a little bit up in the air, not enough viewings, all mm-hmm. the other things that we know about, okay. I mean, sure, you could take a shot on that. But I don't think Kapanen's one of them. He, for one thing, he, you know, as a center – he was winning 56% of his face-offs, so that's good. That's a that's a good sign for where he was. Uh, he's good around the net. Of course, there's a lot of room around the net, but 
He was able to take advantage of that. He is a pass-first guy, really. I know he scored some goals there, but I, I don't think his shot's that accurate. Not to say he's not going to get goals. He'll get some. But I really do think he's more of an assist guy, uh, more of a playmaking center. He, he's a good skater. I think he's good on the rush. Those things already look good. But like I said, I think his, um, his shot could be a little bit better. And, you know, like when he would hit a guy, didn't have a lot behind it. Not yet. And that's okay. But I do think there's something there. I mean, it's a third-round pick, so you don't necessarily want to have the bar too high for that. But, again, now that he is the uh, his uncle Sammy Kapanen, that may set the bar a little higher, and I, I always feel like that's unfortunate for some for some prospects. But the fact that he'll be insulated over there is a good thing. So this way, even if they want to write about him in Montreal, they're not going to go crazy about him until he gets here. So he'll have at least maybe a couple of years to not have to deal with that. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, Trevor, you mentioned about not a lot of pop behind his his uh, his hits. Um, uh, Trevor Timmons said that uh, they expect him to physically grow and physically fill out his frame, uh, listed as 166. But we noticed that with, with many of the prospects, and maybe this is because uh, many of them haven't played, there's been growth in the meantime and and some of those uh heights mm-hmm. and weights were were way out of whack oh uh, yeah um in talking to the prospects afterwards no there's no question that a lot of them were more out of whack than normal because you know you got to look at certain leagues like you know this guy maybe there's a guy who maybe didn't play then all of a sudden he's in the bubble did they really weigh and do everything in the bubble no right. they probably just got right back to games right mm-hmm. so there's there was a lot of that for sure i, I was looking at, at video, just seeing the force behind it. But I do agree with Trevor on this, that I do think over time you'll see that. That's where you can look at the bloodline a little bit and say, all right, you know, he'll be somewhere in between all those guys. You saw all the Hughes's. I mean, clearly, you know, <laughs> Luke is, is more filled out already than the rest of them. But, you know, there's always going to be some similarities there somewhere. And so, you know, maybe that will be one of them that does. But I don't think that's going to be the biggest part of his game. Anyhow, I do think it's going to be his skating and playmaking. The fact that he's pretty good at faceoffs already is good. You know, I definitely look at him as a uh, one of those third-line kind of guys. I don't think he's going to be any higher than that. But that's okay. You need those yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. So, say, let's play the same game except just a different name, switching to uh, back over to the Flyers franchise. Um not as many, uh, not as many draft picks as as Montreal had. Of rounded out their draft, picking up a local guy from Chester County, played for the Hill School and and Mount Saint Charles. Um, other than we we talked about Tuamala, who who's the one pick that you that kind of stood out for you that that you wanted to talk about today? Yeah, I never get too much into the high school guys. No. I did get out. <laughs> um, I did get out like a little over a year ago and did see like some prep school games, but it's, it's rare. Like that has to be like on an off day where I got nothing else because <laughs> it really takes a different kind of eye for that. You really have yeah. to go back and back and keep going back. Um, but once in a while there's somebody. So like, like even as an example, like, you know, Riley Tufty, who's in still in the AHL, I thought, wow, you know, based on the point production, the size and everything else that maybe Dallas had something there. Now I'm like, They'll be lucky if they have something there. You know what I mean? That's what happens sometimes. But for this pick, I'm going to go Ethan Sampson of the Prince Cougars. And as a, as a Cougar, he looked good. Uh, again, he was another guy that didn't play a ton of games. And I liked his skating. I thought he had a really good shot. 
he did log over 24 minutes a game, and I thought that was significant, and, and I spoke to him about that. And so he he sort of was like the man this year for them, and, and that's good. So because at, that, at some point you, you pretty much have to be like that first or second best guy on your team. I think I said Prince Cruz. It's Prince County, right? But my brain didn't work. Prince George. There. Prince George. Prince George. That's <laughs> there you it. Go. I knew it was something. What was the Prince <laughs> County? Is like in Virginia. See, my brain's not working on that. But but the thing is, he. You know, if you if you do want to play in the NHL, you always have to sort of be like that top first or second as a defenseman to really have a chance at playing some position in the NHL. And he seems like a like if he's going to make it, will be like a five. Uh, I like his offense. I, he does hit guys, but even at 194, it doesn't seem like it's a lot of oomph behind it. Strength-wise, I think there needs to be more. And so I think that's a situation where man strength will come in. You know, again, we don't always want to get carried away with weight because sometimes the weight isn't well distributed. Sometimes guys are a little chubby, right? We heard I can't tell you how much I heard that Drew Doughty was fat in his draft year. And he <laughs> certainly was, was you know, fatter than he is now, but he wasn't fat. Like they weren't drafting him where they drafted him. So, but I just, I kept hearing, you know, nonsense about that. Mm -hmm. There's always a thing where, Hey, um, for one thing over in, uh, in junior hockey, they just recently started to let guys have a stipend for trainers, but definitely not during the pandemic. Right. So it's not like college hockey where they have those people at their disposal all the time. It's right. a, it's a little bit of a stipend that they have for it, so it's a different it's a different kind of situation. And and during a pandemic, it's, chances are he probably didn't, you know, especially as the way things were in in Canada, he probably didn't get to the weight room as much as he'd like to. And so, yeah, we we forget about all that stuff. But I do like the offensive side of his game. I do think there's a defensive player there. I think he's going to be, you know, more of the stick away the puck guy. But you know, in the end. In the what was he fifth or sixth? I forget. Uh, Samson, oh, I you know I don't he know. was the sixth round. He pick. was sixth. sixth yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, in the sixth, it's always a dice roll, anyhow, right? But I do feel like uh, there may be a little bit better than average chance here on that, and the average is low, believe me. But I do think there's a better than average chance here, and 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 Mark Greig, Greig rather, who. Um, has been scouting for the Flyers for a long time mm -hmm. out in that area. Does a really good job, so I do think um, you know he may have found something here. Well, you know, last year's draft, you, we were talking we were talking about that whole family name thing. You know, how many Flyers fans wanted them <laughs> wanted them to draft Rid uh, Ridley and uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> and, um, you know, not. I mean, that. Ridley's a good player. He is, but but again, yeah, you don't you don't want the situation where all of a sudden it's like everything's compared to dad. Like, you know, Josh Doan's going to have to go through that. Mm -hmm. And and I saw Josh Doan play, and I think he's a pretty good player. But very much like Shane, he's not the greatest skater either. Now, Shane could get away with it in his day. Josh may not be able to get away with it in this day. So I think that's something that he's really going to have to work on. He does some other things that are really good. He's good around the net. He's smart. There are things that – that you could see from his dad's game in there. But again, his dad would struggle in this league with skating, right? Everything else would be okay, but he'd have to still fix that part. So that's where 
all of a sudden, you know, you have too many interviews of like Shane talking about Josh and now fans are thinking, wow, this is, you know, now they're really ramped up. And, you know, that's not necessarily fair to the kid. I was hoping for Red Savage for for the name alone, a fabulous hockey name. I, yeah, it's a fabulous hockey name. Although, on the again, on NHL Network, they put Redmond. Nobody calls no. him Redmond. I, I don't even know if he would enjoy being called Redmond. I was shocked <laughs> when they put that up there. I was like, I just shook my head. Like, nobody <laughs> at the program calls him that. No. He's a good player, too. Yeah, yeah. He's actually... But again, probably best he didn't go to Montreal because then sure. there would be a lot of Brian Savage talk, yeah. and he probably doesn't need that because he's a good player on his own. So yeah, I, I. But again, when I saw Redmond, I was like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. So uh, that kind of leads into just a question for you, just overall with this draft. I mean. Uh, it feels like parts of this draft, I mean, we were coming off of a very odd year as far as uh, scouting ability to begin with because of the pandemic. Le- certain leagues only playing shortened seasons, other leagues not playing at all, uh, other leagues getting to play full seasons, practically, um, depending on where you were located in the world or, or what part of North America. So just as far as the whole draft goes in in general, um, you know, whether it was guys went really early. I mean, we're talking about family name. Um, did anyone really see Tyler Boucher going as high as he did? Um, and, and No, and I was bullish on him. I really was. I wrote about him. You know, I spoke to him. I was very bullish on him, but not that bullish on him. And I, <laughs> I, I you know, again, I'm not going to hold <clears throat> this to the player. I know fans do. Like, well, you were drafted 10th over. No, I, I never do that. Um, and organizations don't do that once they get there. But uh, I do think it's going to get talked about, you know. So I do think there's a little bit of pressure that comes with it. Luckily, I don't think he's a kid that feels that much pressure. So hopefully he'll come through on that. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, I thought 10th was early. I mean, I can't lie about that. Yeah. <laughs> so your thoughts overall on this draft, you know, did were, did did you feel, feel like teams were going kind of off the board a lot more often than, than in past years? Were there a lot of surprises as far as, you know, examples like Tyler Boucher where they went way earlier than expected or fell a lot farther than expected? Just, just your overall thoughts on this draft. Yeah, the overall thought was, I think our boards were a lot different than their boards. I would say it like that. And I, to be honest, like, you know, I told people this year, I wasn't going more than like 50 players deep. So yeah, if your favorite team took somebody in the seventh round, yes, I happen to know Ty Gallagher really well, who the Bruins got, but I probably don't know your team's seventh rounder very well at all. So, because I just felt like it was an extreme disadvantage. I was only at the All-American Prospects game live and and the Frozen Four. Now, Josh Lapina, who was from UMass, actually did get drafted, you know, it was his third time. And so that was great. I did get to see him live, but I didn't get that luxury with a lot of these guys, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I I made sure I kind of stayed at arm's length at a certain amount of it. But I do feel like it was a telling thing, you know, the USHL had 50 go, that's a fair amount. And those guys are always gonna go on, on their way to college. And, and that's because they did have a season. I do feel like uh, there was a lot more KHL than usual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because they did have a season. And certainly the overseas guys, uh, there was a fair amount, but there was always going to be a fair amount. And there was a decent amount, probably, you know, not too, too many overagers, but there was a decent amount. Maybe, you know, it was higher than I thought, and I missed that. But, but overall, I, I felt like, 
teams' boards were definitely different than what we thought it was going to be. And I think some went for need over best player available. I do feel like that happened a little more often than in normal drafts. How are they going to distribute that ice time at the University of Michigan? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, but but what a what an accomplishment! Um, what a great draft for uh, the Wolverines. Yeah, I mean, it really was. I mean, and again, you have to mention some of the other guys like Dylan Duke and Mackie Samuskevich. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, the top guys are all the guys that that get mentioned. I think they'll figure it out. But what's interesting is. You know, all the college hockey historians, and I'm not one of them. I'm just a guy who's been covering it for a while, but I don't get deep, deep into it. But they're like, you know, those teams never win. Those teams with all the NHLers mm. never win. And, and, and I do think that's been the case. I, I'm not going to count these guys out because they, you know, some of them are returning. And that's, and that's good because a lot of times they don't return, right? They go one year, they go to the NHL, and that's it. And if they didn't win in that year, they didn't win in that year. So, you know, based on not winning, you know, last year for someone like Owen Power, you know, he's going to go back. And that's great. And I do think in the end, they do have a chance. But I'm telling you, the hardcore college hockey, you know, folks are like, no, no. And I know, I, look, I get it. I, a lot of times it's, it's the teams with the seniors that have been together for four years and maybe they have a good rookie or so, uh, you know, like when Cal McCarr broke in. But even Cal McCarr didn't win it. They won it without him. Right. Yeah. So I think you look at that situation and you just say, okay, you know, but I'm not, I'm not one that ever wants to go completely with history. I always think there's a time that can bucket. So I don't know every team and what's going to happen with programs and the variant and everything well enough to say they're going to win this year, no matter what, but I'm going to say, I think they're going to be, you know, in the mix beyond that. I don't know, but I do think they will be in the mix. Well, Russ, we can uh, we cannot thank you enough for joining us today. You are a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to prospects. If if people don't quite understand how much work goes into preparing for the draft, uh, for for people like yourself who who get really in depth with uh, scouting prospects all year long, it's it's a yeoman's amount of work. We appreciate uh, all of your insight and the work that you do. Um, and of course, we can't thank you enough for taking some time with us today. Um, you can find Russ on Twitter at Sportsology um, or Sportsology.com, where he's the owner. And uh, Russ, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Russ. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Always fun to come on. Rick, it is always a pleasure to have Russ on the show. He's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to prospects. He's very tapped in uh, and tuned in. He watches a lot of games and a lot, lot of young players on their journey towards towards the draft. Uh, and it was great to have him back on the show today. Really enjoyed talking to Russ. And certainly every time we see him in arenas uh, around the land, it's uh, it's <laughs> always a chance to get in a good chat. That's right. I should I should have sent him some Swedish fish. Uh, I'm going to have to remember that for the next time he's on the show. So that he's got those at the ready. Uh, Right now, what we're going to do, however, is uh, we're going to take a quick break. uh, And after this message, we're going to talk about some NHL news. We're going to talk about RFA qualifying offers, uh, some some roster rumors that are happening and swirling for Montreal and Philadelphia. Uh, And we're also going to bring Joe Yurton onto the show to talk about uh, what's going to happen with Jack Eichel, why Rasmus Ristolainen is probably a good fit for the Flyers and a lot more. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media. 
digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Uh, be sure you're following us on Twitter, if you're not already, at the AHL Report. And uh, you can also follow this podcast at the Press Zone on Twitter. It's the best place, uh, both of those places, to get all of our content and news and information, both regarding uh, Montreal Canadiens prospects and Philadelphia Flyers prospects as well. Um in this segment, we're going to cover some recent NHL news, however, because there's just so much of it going on these days. Um, and I guess first and uh, foremost, we should remind folks that uh, qualifying offers went out uh, to RFAs. That that deadline is one of the many things that have that have come through uh, recently in this in this last week. Um, and so, qualifying offers were submitted uh, for the. Flyers, they qualified Carter Hart, Travis Sanheim, Connor Bunneman, and David Kasha. Uh, that leaves Pascal Laberge not qualified, which means he'll go UFA. Uh, just a reminder, however, Kasha has signed to play in the Czech Republic. Um, but since he is qualified, Philadelphia will retain his rights. Uh, so just just a, a, a note on that. Um, for the Canadians, they qualified Kakinyemi, Arturi Lekkinen, Michael Pizzetta, Ryan Paling, Otto Leskinen, and Michael McNiven. Um, Lucini, Jake Lucini was an RFA, but he signed uh, an AHL contract with the Laval Rocket uh, just about a week and a half ago. And so that just leaves only Joseph Blandizi, who was not qualified. Uh, he will go UFA. Um, and Leskinen um, is another who, who has signed to play overseas, but the Canadians will retain his rights. 
So those qualifying offers are a starting point um, and uh, the negotiations can can go from there. Or you can be like uh, Patrick Liney who just accepted his $7.5 million qualifying offer from Columbus. So that will be his salary for the next oh, year. Really? Um, in other news that's happening as we're recording, uh, the Montreal Canadiens have just uh, agreed to a uh, contract extension, a four-year contract extension with Yol Armia who was an absolute beast uh, mm-hmm. during the uh, the uh, Canadians' playoff run. Glad to see him uh, back uh, in uh, in the CH, and uh, it should be a, a good starting point for him there. Um, Armia was a, a, a pending unrestricted free agent. Good to have him signed. Get that one out of the way. Four years is a good term as well. Um so that means free agency is coming up. There are plenty of things that Mark Bergevin and Chuck Fletcher need to do to complete their pieces of the puzzle heading into next season. Uh, some of those pieces have already started to fall into place. There have been trades, particularly on the Chuck Fletcher side, side of things. Um, we know that Ryan Ellis is, is now on the roster. Rasmus Ristolainen's on the roster. Um, and now today it's come out that it's looking like they're going to sign uh, Yandel to a one-year deal. So that shores up uh, a new guy on each of the three defensive pairings, which I think is is a very effective um, thing for Chuck Fletcher to do. The, the, the defense was definitely wanting last year for sure. Uh, and this is a, a great way. Each each piece of the Flyers puzzle on those three pairings gets gets a new partner. Provorov will have Ellis. Travis Sanheim will have Ristolainen, and Kevin Braun will play uh, with Yandel. So, um, liking the moves that Chuck Fletcher is doing, uh, Rick. Mark Bergevin hasn't been as active, um, but there are some rumors swirling. Uh, it's looking like there's going to be a, a defensive signing for Bergevin and the Canadians coming soon as well. All kinds of names. Um, uh, Dvorak, uh, Beauvillier, all kinds of uh, where the, the Canadians have, have kicked the tires, even on uh, Jack Eichel. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, ask Joe Yerden about that in just a second. But as far as on the back end, uh, Canadians have expressed interest in David Savard, uh, who um, um, just won, a, just raised a, a Stanley Cup uh, for the very first time. And uh, Chris Weideman, uh, Chris Weideman, who last year uh, had a pretty successful season in the KHL, um, 41 points in 59 games, but has not played a full season in the NHL since 2016 uh, 17. It's. Um I was a little underwhelmed with this news. I have to, I have to admit, um, you know, there were guys like Eric Gustafson and John Merrill who were on that bottom pairing for the Habs throughout the playoffs. Um, Bergevin and, and Dominic Ducharme seem to, to go to them uh, while Alexander Romanoff is sitting in the, in, in the suite watching, watching from up above. Um, I'm hoping that Weidman's not going to be uh, the same kind of player. Uh, I think they need an upgrade from, from the Gustafsons and the Merrills. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep, uh, I'm going to hold my breath, I guess, and see how this one works out. Um, and certainly hope that Mark Bergevin's got some more, uh, aggressive moves up his sleeve uh, coming into free agency this week. Uh, but there are, as you said, uh, there's 
Montreal has been heavily rumored with Jack Eichel. Uh, Chuck Fletcher pulled off a great deal to get Rasmus Ristolainen from Buffalo. And so who better to uh, join us on the show today to talk about this is our friend and colleague who just happens to be a pretty big expert on the Buffalo Sabres. Well, as we mentioned, it is a jam-packed show today uh, here on the Press Zone. Uh, since we're doing a, a bit of the NHL draft, kind of coming down from the NHL draft, reviewing it, taking a look at all the moves that have been happening in the last couple of weeks, we have a special combined episode of the Press Zone, bringing our Montreal audience and our Philadelphia audience together on one show today. And uh, next up, we have another very special guest, a returning guest, a very, very good friend uh, of ours here at Rocket Sports Media and the Press Zone longtime friend we've uh, we've known this gentleman for years and years thanks to hockey twitter uh and that would be the one and only joe yearden from ap sports and contributor at die by the blade joe thank you so much for being with here with us today oh it's it's always a treat to be back with uh with you guys and it's yeah 12 years ago this uh stop i'm old past june <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Believe me, every time I think about it, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was only that wasn't that long. Oh, no, oh, it was 2009. Oh, that was a John, long. John Tavares is now on his on his second team. And yikes. Yeah. Now now he's a veteran. It's like, oh, crap. OK. Yes. <laughs> the glory we, days of Twitter. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> back when it was it was a safe space back then. <laughs> <laughs> when you could just goof around and joke around and nobody cared. It was just fine. Yeah. Every, everybody was fine. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's very much not. <laughs> That's why we all come here to talk instead. Uh, so we are happy to have you here with us today. You know, uh, for those who don't know Joe, of course, be sure you're following him at Joe Yurden on Twitter. Uh, of course, always has his finger on the pulse of everything happening with the Buffalo Sabres. And so I guess first let's talk about how uh, your reaction to Buffalo's uh, journey through this year's draft and, of course, getting to take that uh, number one overall Owen Powers selection yeah i um i was actually pretty proud of of how they handled things this year there was there was a lot of temptation to probably uh trade picks to move up and you know chase after some people but uh i think they were good to, to hang on to them and even add some even add a pick or two um but getting power i mean it, i i know there was some debate heading into the draft as whether or not they might take him. Um, and then, then as time wore on, everybody just was kind of like, yeah, no, he should be the guy. And they didn't whiff on it. They picked him. That was, that was, that was the right move to make. And you start thinking ahead with, you know, I mean, they're getting ready to kick off, uh, you know, uh, push, or I should say to, to, re, to hit the reset button again, mm -hmm. except a real honest reset button. Um, with, you know, and you're looking at a future where you've got Darlene and Owen power, uh, as your one, two on the left side yeah. on defense. And boy, that's, uh, if that's not exciting, I don't know. I, you know, I, I know defense isn't always the exciting position, but geez, that, that could end up being a dynamic setup to, to your, to your back end. And I think that's such a huge thing. And, you know, watching power, you know, watching some of the tape of him at Michigan and certainly him, uh, at world championships, kid can handle himself like he was he was rock solid at michigan and then watching him play for canada world championships it was like you know he wasn't babied there you know sometimes you see the young guys they go to worlds and you know they'll get kind of courtesy minutes and you know just to get the experience no he was getting like 20 minutes a game and you know was playing on their top or second pairing it was 
honestly impressive. I know Worlds is, you know, people kind of look down at Worlds, but that's still stiff competition there. Mm-hmm. And he did really well. And that's, that's, I mean, it's impressive. So I, you know, it's, it's a really good pick. You can't, you can't argue with this pick. I mean, if it ends up not working out down the road, then that really stinks for everybody involved. But, um, but like this, I mean, at this time and this time and space, it's a, it's a great choice. And the fact that they used almost the rest of their picks, I think they had what 11 other picks in the draft. And I think they used 10 of them on forwards. I think they only took one other defenseman. Um, and that wasn't until the sixth or seventh round. Um, pretty wild and considering they took three or four russians mm. is bonkers because they, they <laughs> hadn't taken a russian since 2014 um and that was seventh round pick vasily glotov who everybody fell in love with during uh prospect during prospect uh rookie camp here because he did some wild stuff and he had a, has a great personality just a super kid um but you know he wasn't he wasn't going to make it to the NHL more than likely. And, um, but that's, but he's a super guy, but, um, but they've been very reluctant to pick Russians at all, uh, in the past 10, 11 years or so. So this is a, this is a pretty momentous thing. I would, I would honestly say, and the fact that the, the forwards they picked are a lot, a ton of them are skill speed guys. It's a huge difference from the past because they always, seem to like to uh, find the guys that were equally good offensively as they were defensively. And that's, that's not really being, it's not really being gutsy with that. Like you got to take some swings and you got to hope you, you maybe hit a couple of home runs with, with the depth, because if you're just looking for, you know, a balanced guy lower in the draft, I mean, I mean, you might get some, you might get some um, NHL players out of that. But if you don't have one particular talent or ability that can make you stand out amongst everybody else, you're going to have a hard time. And let's face it, the Sabres depth drafting beyond the first round the past forever is awful. (laughs) The fact that Victor Olofsson was a seventh round pick years ago and he's now a a fantastic NHL player is is, Mm -hmm. um, very much against the grain for for how things have gone for Buffalo. So this is this draft was it's interesting. I can't claim to know everything about any about all these guys, but it, it, it's it was fascinating to see it break down the way it did. With respect to power, um, what kind of conversation or discussion or debate is going on with uh, if he'll if he'll be playing in Buffalo or uh, back to the University of Michigan or, or when uh, that transition might happen? I if, if it's me in charge, I'm saying go back to Michigan Um make a run at make a run at the um make a run at the national title make a run at the Hobie Baker um because they're going to have an absolutely disgustingly loaded team at Michigan for sure <laughs> yeah. they are absolutely <laughs> four four of the five picks this year are, are going to be on that team so it's that's nuts <laughs> i i can't say that i've ever seen that happen before it was always a big deal when you'd see you know a bunch of USA program guys go in the draft and said you got four guys going to the same college go go in the top five of the draft which is staggering and honestly and the other two aren't bad either yeah like it's 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 wild it's absolutely wild to see to see that and they're going to be heavy favorites to win the national championship i mean without a doubt and you know powers you know powers already been there you know for a year he's gotten a taste of what it's like to be in college already now he's BMOC. He's a big man on campus. And even I think what makes it even more fun is that Eric Portillo, the Sabres pick uh, a couple years ago, uh, he was a third round, third round pick as a goalie. 
uh, is probably going to be Michigan's starter this year. So to have a little bit of a bond there is nice, especially goalies and defensemen. Like that's, that's kind of cool. Um, but like, honestly, just go show up, play a great season, win a national title, come, you know, sign after that. And, you know, you probably, you, you might even be able to get some games because the college season is going to be over way before uh, the, the NHL season will be because the NHL season go to what the end of April. Um, and I think the, the national championship game would be April 9th. So okay. there'd be time for him to be able to play or, you know, sign him, have him come practice with the team for the last few weeks. I'm assuming the Sabres aren't going to be a playoff team um, this year. So um, get him that experience, give him that time, you know, don't burn the first year of his contract playing, you know, running out the season schedule. Um, but to me, there's, there's no better place for him to continue developing than at Michigan. I think if you throw him into the Sabres right now, you're putting too much on his plate as a, you know, 18, 19 year old. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the team is right now going to be pretty rough. Um, and once they trade Jack Eichel, it's going to be even more rough. And it's, I mean, like I said, they're pushing the reset button. They're going to be picking high in the lottery again. Uh, and I would not want to have him shouldering the weight of like anywhere from like 15 to 20 minutes a night playing for a bad team. Uh-uh, no. Keep him away from that. Let him play, you know, give him another year at Michigan, win a title, come back and be ready to kick some ass in the uh, in the NHL for, for next season. So um, I know people were trying to make a big deal of, of, of him going back to Michigan, thinking like uh, he might like hold out from signing with Buffalo. Like, no, like nobody's doing that. <laughs> like last, what was the last guy to do that was what? Blake Wheeler, I think. Jack Johnson. It's not happening. Yeah, like it's it just doesn't happen. Eric Lindros was the last number one guy to do that. And, you know, that 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 was a multiple franchise altering trade. So, um, yeah, I yeah, it's yeah, I just would not I would not even consider it if I was him. Like you're getting picked by a pro team. You're, you're good to go. <laughs> and a team that you're going to be able to play a ton of minutes with the second you the second you're ready to play for him. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, um and a team that you could possibly turn around and get them back to the playoffs on your back. Cool. You do that in Buffalo. You're, you're going to be semi legend status at that, at that point. So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, I, the concern about him going back to college, I don't, I'm not feeling it. Like it's, if I, if I'm Kevin Adams, I'm saying, Hey man, good luck in Michigan next year. Have fun, win a title, come back and we'll, we'll get it done. Soon. Uh, you just said it. Once they trade Jack Eichel, so let's uh, let's go there. Uh, we're going to go there, but let's go there now, um, and 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 talk about uh, from all the uh, this story from all the angles. Uh, Elliot Friedman had reported last Friday that the Canadians had had extensive uh, conversations, uh, and then everything kind of went quiet after that. So um, we know that that the uh, the demand is uh, the. The uh, return uh, asked for is uh, is pretty high, boatload of a- assets. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Um, and uh, Kevin Adams, you know, there was a bit of a bluff. Well, we wouldn't mind having him back uh, next year. I, I, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. But um, where do you see this all? How do you see it all unfolding? Uh, I, I to your point about the bluff. I uh, <laughs> I enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> 
I enjoyed Eichel's agents blowing that up, what, yeah. not even an hour after the fact, saying like, no, we our entire time we've been anticipating a trade. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you're not fooling anybody with with any of these lines. And it's the it's the passive aggressive war both sides have been having about this, um, you know, from going back to press conferences, I think before the draft where Adams wouldn't even say Eichel's name until he was pushed to do so, <laughs> like in, in talking and even like talking about him and like, you know, in his injury status and just kind of like, yeah, no, it's nothing update. And, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're looking ahead to play, you know, having guys that want to play here, that want to be here, play here. And it's just kind of like, all right, well, you're basically calling Jack out. And he wasn't, but he was. Mm. And, you know, the whole thing from Jack's standpoint is just kind of like, yeah, these guys, they don't want me to be healthy, I guess. And they want me to they want to ruin my life by not letting me you know, do what I want to get my neck fixed. So seems cool, like cool work, guys. Maybe I should go somewhere else then if that's if that's how it's going to be. Um, but, yeah, it's I mean. I was already dead wrong. I thought he was going to be traded before the start of the first round Friday. Um, I, I was convinced. Yeah, I I mean, I, I, I can eat, I can own that one because a lot of other people are owning it with me. But um, but it was just uh, I'm still surprised by it because I figured it was it was going to be too easy to make that deal. Um, regardless of who you're looking at, whether it was Anaheim, whether it's L.A. or it's Columbus or whoever, um, if you if you threw your pick at at the Sabers and you know a prospect or two and uh, you know somebody on the roster making money, cool, done deal, get it get it over with. And I I had the feeling that a lot of teams were going to want to protect their twenty twenty two first round pick, considering that class is supposed to be a bit deeper, yeah, a bit yeah. more talented. Um, so you you would think teams don't want to give up that that pick, and instead instead we've already seen a couple of teams give up twenty two picks. So we're just like. Okay, maybe, you know, maybe we misjudge things. Maybe, you know, maybe we're wrong. I don't know. Um, but the fact that he's he's still with the team and, you know, free agency starts on Wednesday, you got to believe that uh, a team that wants him has to get him in before you start signing people. I mean, I, of course, I, always, I also thought you had to get him in before you start trading draft picks. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I keep getting proven wrong with all this and. You know, it, it, all it's done for for Buffalo fans is 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 has increased the belief that they think he'll be on the roster when the season starts, and that that is just a future I do not see happening at all because that first day of training camp would be an absolute zoo, yeah, and a huge distraction for everyone involved mm-hmm. because you know because I mean you've already traded Ristolainen, you've already traded Reinhardt, those are huge moves, and it's a drastic change for the room. But if Eichel's still there and he's got to answer questions about what's going on and his teammates have to answer questions about going on, then Don Granado's got to answer questions. You know, Kevin Adams might have to answer questions, too. That's a bad scene for everybody. And I just cannot believe, cannot believe that that will be the case. So the, the sooner the better, obviously, this, the sooner the better this, this trade gets done is, is, is the way to go. But man, oh, man, I, I got really nervous when I saw Terry Pagula was getting a little bit more involved with um, with the discussions. And to me, that just doesn't sit well <laughs> because it makes me think of of how how things went down with the O'Reilly trade to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And that has his fingerprints all over it, considering how it went down. You know, the reasons for doing it, you know, they didn't want to pay his bonus, this, that and the other thing like 
Um, and not, thankfully, there's no such thing going on with Jack's contract. Like, there's not a bonus to pay out at the start of the new year. Um, that doesn't happen until next year, uh, which also coincides with him having a full no-move clause. So <laughs> if you want to talk about deadlines, uh, yeah, if he wants to sit out the entire year, okay if you're buffalo like that's cool but then he gets to pick his destination (laughs) Mm -hmm. after the fact so i don't know man if you think he's gone if you think it's not going to work anymore you got to trade him and now it's very obvious neither side can take this you know adam said that he's cool with doing that but there is no chance i i can't imagine having a room full of young guys you know a lot of them who, who do know jack already but like a lot of new guys that are being told like hey you're the future here and then having jack come in and be in the room and have it be extremely awkward and having his dominating personality rule in the roost there because I wouldn't want that. Mm-mm. And that's, you know, it's not me saying bad stuff about Jack at all, but like a guy who does not want to be there and a guy who feels like the team doesn't want him to be there is instead in the room. I mean, everybody's a professional, but man, I would not, I, you know, impressionable kids everywhere. Like, I don't want that scene. You know, I, it makes me think of Matt Duchesne when he wanted out of Colorado um, years ago and they didn't get a deal done in the offseason. He started the year with them and everyone was miserable. Duchesne was pissed. Like, you remember the, the picture from uh, they were taking photos on that first day and the, his picture, like they got him <laughs> candidly. And he's just he had the the face on him of like, I would rather be standing in a 10-foot pool full of dog crap than uh-huh. I would standing here wearing this jersey getting my picture taken. And he was like, he was so fed up with being there. He didn't like Joe Sacco. And his team, like, finally when they traded him, Eric Johnson was like, yeah, no, we're glad he's gone now. Like, <laughs> cool, this was your room for like a month. Thanks. Like, you know, two months, including camp. Like, how do you, like, you can't have that. And yeah, sure, you can rally from it. I, I know Colorado eventually did, but Gee whiz, man, like you can't you just can't have these situations bubble over into the start of your new season. It just does not work. And I I cannot imagine it being a normal season if that's if that happens at Buffalo, because it's going to be so beyond screwed up uh, for everybody involved uh, if that ends up happening. So that's why you got to move them and you got to get it done uh, to me. You got to get it done this week. I think so. Uh, and and maybe that means the price has price tag has to come down to make it happen. I don't know. Um, or somebody's going to get a GM other elsewhere in the league is going to get desperate enough um, before somebody else acquiesces. And and I tend to agree with you. I think I think we'll see that happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I, I just one other thing about it, though, is. Yeah, people, you know, it's been pointed out that his asking price is Kevin Adams asking price is very high. Why? Why wouldn't it be? (laughs) Is my is my thing. He Jack's a top 10 talent in the NHL. Why wouldn't your ask be enormous? And like even still ask for too much, settle for what you're actually looking for after the fact, because if you if your price is so ridiculous, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. we really like Jack, but we're not going to give you all that. How about we take away one or two of those things and we call it a deal. Cool. Done. Like that's what, that's what you're looking for anyways. It's, it's the whole art of the negotiation, I guess, Mm -hmm. but um, you just don't want to play yourself out of the hand. One of the trades uh, that has been completed already that you mentioned was Rasmus Ristolainen uh, heading to Philadelphia to become a flyer. Um, Chuck Fletcher has been pretty effective so far in this offseason. Obviously, the blue line was a a place that needed some major upgrades. Um, Acquiring Ryan Ellis was a was was the first big uh, 
move in this in in the last couple of weeks that kind of put the whole hockey world on on its ear of oh okay Chuck Fletcher's making moves and then Ristolainen and and now uh, Keith Yandel's joining joining as well, you know you, you take a look at Flyers Twitter uh, and of course there's as Flyers fans are wont to do, there's polar opposite reactions on this. There's plenty who say that Chuck Fletcher way overpaid for Ristolainen because all they're doing is looking at his stat sheet and and his, uh, at times, inconsistent play and, and so on and so forth. My take on it has been, um, I'd like to see, Ristolainen is, is, a, is a talented hockey player and I'd like to see what he's going to do coming out of the Buffalo environment and also not having the responsibility of being on the top pairing, which he won't have in Philadelphia. Um, what are your thoughts on a, uh, his movement out of Buffalo and, and do you see him as an asset for Philadelphia and can he turn things around? This is, this is tough for me because I, I genuinely like Risto as a person, as a person. I think he's, I think he's a super dude. Um, it's a fun guy, like everything about him, like, and he tries really hard, you know, I know, you know, everybody's got their shifts where they might look like crap and they might look like they're disinterested, but this guy really, really tries hard. And he's been trying so hard to get himself turned around and, uh, with his play and, and everything. And, you know, for times last season, he looked really good. Um, you know, when I think he was paired with Jake McCabe, uh, before McCabe blew out his ACL, like he was you know, that, that pair was working out really well. Um, but you look at his stats and it's, I can, I fully understand why the flyers have had an, an infatuation with him for a long time. Like this goes back to his draft year. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't, you know, this isn't just Chuck Fletcher saying like, we've been looking at this guy for the last three years to looking to try to, you know, maybe get him. Um, this goes back to what they wanted to draft him because he's a big kid. Um, he's got a, he's got a very good shot. He skates pretty well. And you know, he's a, big, strong defenseman. He's even stronger now than he's ever been. He's, he's a workout freak. He'll, he'll flip tractor tires for you. Um, he'll do, he'll, you know, he might be able to lift the tractor up for you in case. Like, I don't know. Um, but he's, but it, it, his whole career has been basically skewed from playing for bad teams. Um, you know, his, mm-hmm. his for, his formidable years, he played for, you know, his first couple of years, he played a little bit for Ron Ralston in 13-14, then went to um, went to World Juniors, won gold for, for Finland, like scored the OT winner for Finland in the gold medal game, um, became the like the national hero for, for winning the World Juniors that year, uh, came back, Ted Nolan's the coach, and then, you know, played under Nolan for the next, uh, for the following year. And that team was the st- one of the statistically worst teams ever created, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, at least in the Corsi age, like they were, they were bombarded by shots every game, you know, uh, like nine, you know, 80 to 95 shots a game shot attempts. Like that's obscene. And he was playing top minutes, you know, he's playing 20 minutes a game in those circumstances. And then, uh, you know, Nolan gets, Nolan gets let go. And then Dan Bilesma comes in. So it's a new coach and a new system. And again, he's counted on to be top pair and he's, you know, he's 21 years old, 20, 21 years old at that point, two years under Bilesma, Bilesma has gone and Phil Housley's hired. And then it's two years with, with Phil and Phil's got a completely different system and a completely different way of, of how he wants the defenseman to play. And the team struggles again. And then it's Phil that gets fired. And then it's Ralph Kruger that comes in and Ralph Kruger is an ultra defensive coach. 
and he had mild amounts of success with him, but still the team was bad. And then Ralph's fired and he's playing for Don Granado. And, you know, that wasn't enough of a, uh, wasn't enough of a resume there to really figure out about a much, as much of a resume with him as he did with, uh, with Ron Ralston in 2013. But, um, but with all those coaches over eight seasons, how do you expect a guy to, to get things figured out when he's got different voices in his ear every mm-hmm. year or two? And that goes for assistant coaches too. Um, when you've got all these voices, you've got all these different systems, you never really get something figured out. And I think that's where, you know, he's been let down. Like his development has been stunted, not, not because, you know, the Sabres didn't develop him right. They kind of, I mean, I should take that back. They, they didn't develop him right because they just threw him to the wolves right away. And this is the, the kind of thing that's fresh in my mind with Owen Power. That's why I say, just, no, just let him go to Michigan. Um, but with Ristolainen, it was, you know, he was 18 and playing in the NHL. And maybe that wasn't the right move. Maybe, you know, maybe have him stay in Finland for a year or, you know, have him play in Rochester instead or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but it wasn't handled well and it wasn't handled right. And that's just a trademark of how things have gone, you know, for for the end of like Darcy Regeer's reign as Sabres GM and then for part, you know, for most, if not part of uh, Tim Murray's reign as GM. They just, they had to rush guys to the NHL because they lacked so much talent and then they rushed guys like, you know, Ristolainen and Gergensons, you know, even Mikhail Gregorenko, like, they toyed with him for so for two years running, trying to trying to scam him out of playing the queue when he should have been playing in the queue no matter what. Um, and, you know, that that stunted his career. So, um, you know, even Nikita Zadorov, you know, he, he was more of a fit for the NHL, but he was still really immature and being in Buffalo didn't help that. So it's you know, it's different, different reasons why he just has lacked and. I think if he's into, into a system where it's a lot more professional and I think playing for Alain Vigneault, uh, Michel Therrien and mm-hmm. Mike Yo, he's going to have probably the three best coaches he's ever dealt with um, all at once. So ideally that should help him out. Will it make his game better? I hope so. Um, but right now you kind of look at his numbers and, you know, the Corsi numbers and everything about it. You're just kind of like you, you, you're left thinking this is what he is. This is who he is. And I hope that's not the case because I think there is a good player in there someplace, but that's also something I've been saying for like the last five years. So I, I, I don't know for sure, but I hope, I hope there's a guy in there. I know a lot of Flyers fans are, and Flyers people are thinking like they might have, you know, might've tripped and fallen into like a new pronger. I mean, Risto doesn't have the mean streak that Chris Pronger has, but <laughs> he does love to hit and he, 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 he gets himself pumped up by hitting. So, uh, so and you know, Philly fans love that. So, hey, maybe maybe it's the right guy for the right city for, for the right situation. I tend to agree with you. Um, and, and as I as I prefaced at the beginning with the with this question, I think I, I think that there's a good player in there as well. And I'm kind of excited to see if he's if he's able to kind of shed off all of those uh, uncertainties that he's had during his career with Buffalo and, and kind of reemerge this year with Philadelphia. So I agree. Yeah. And I, I know like some of the ideas right now are to play him with, uh, with Sanheim. That's correct. I think that's, that's kind of like what it's designed to be right now. Mm-hmm. And I'd be really curious to see that because I don't know that he's really had a partner like that in Buffalo. I know, I know Sanheim's more of a carry, you know, a carry in guy, more of an, a little bit more of an offensive guy. Um, and, 
I think the the one player, the one guy he's he was ever paired up with that was like that was Lawrence Pilot, uh, who left Buffalo to go to Russia, mm-hmm. um, and he was he was a, loved to carry the puck, was a very strong offensive player, um, but like they were they had a they had a good bond and they were able to do some really good things and then, you know, the, the Sabers toyed around with Pilot and decided like oh hey yeah no he'll sign eventually and he's like yeah i will in russia see ya like i don't i don't need to be here anymore guys like i know you stole my rights and all but like i ain't coming back um but yeah it's but like that's the kind of guy that you can put him with and if sanheim i i have to, I have to imagine sanheim's a little bit like that but a little bit more careful defensively pilot wasn't pilot wasn't exactly a a norris candidate uh, to say the <laughs> least but um but he was, I mean, he was good for what he was, but, uh, but I think Sanheim, I, I think Sanheim right now, I like the idea of that. I don't know that I would like it if he was with Keith Yandel. <laughs> no. I don't know that that would work out no. very well or, and it, it might, might be too much if he's with Justin Braun. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think Braun's a little bit too defensive, uh, because then you're asking Risto to become more of the carry, carry guy. And, uh, I mean, he can do it, but I don't know if I want him to do it. And uh, uh, Sanheim has that edge, that meanness that uh, you were saying that Ristolina may be missing. Yeah, and you know, Risto is not a guy that's going to fight, like yeah, unless it's Nazem Kadri. <laughs> <That's, laughs> that seems to be the one guy he, li- he he likes to fight, and that's because those guys are kind of wired the same way. Uh, they like both kind of being pests. They both like crap talking, and they you know, they like getting un- getting under other guys' skin. So that made sense, but. Um, but Risto does his damage by throwing hits, and and you know if you're if you're a, a winger that's smaller and you're coming up the wing and you're not paying attention, he's going to flatten you. And he loves you know he loves the reactions it gets. He loves that it gets it gets his team pumped up. He loves it. it he loves that it makes the other team want to go hit him more. Because I I swear to you, he feeds off of guys wanting to come and hit him. Because that's, I mean, he and uh, Giergensen's had a their their custom in warmups was to like playfully but also very forcefully hit each other you know down in the corner just like pushing each other around like a couple of you know baby bulls in the yard (laughs) like they were just always just kind of you know throwing at each other and i was just like all right all right all right but like i'm looking at that going like i'd get hurt (laughs) i'd get hurt if i did that so um but yeah i mean that's that's the kind of mentality he has like he's fun loving dude and he's a huge nba fan so i think if you get him get him hanging out with joel Embiid, that might be a good thing too there you go (laughs) Um, so, um, I guess that will, Rick, do you want to talk a little bit, uh, about goaltending? I, I I know, uh, Philadelphia, of course, is looking for a, for a backup goaltender. Um, Allmark has been one that's been listed in the names of, of potential targets, but, but Rick, I think you had a question about goaltending as far as the Sabres are concerned as well. Just a minor interest in goaltending overall. Um, (laughs) Well, the the goalie market, lots of supply in it. Um, a, is Allmark in? Uh, it looks like uh, Allmark will have other suitors. Um, and uh, what what is the plan for goaltending uh, with the Sabers uh, this off season? I think what they're looking at now is they're. I think they're they're trying to get something done with Allmark. I think they want to keep him. Um, I've had some. I've heard some things that there's a multi-year deal there for him. 
Uh, I don't know like money what's going on or the length. I've just heard multi-year deal. I, I couple, a couple of friends of mine have heard like a $5 million a year thing, which I mean, Hey, that's, right. it's number one money. So that, yep. that might be, that might be good enough to keep them uh, in Buffalo. But, um, but I mean, if, if I'm in his shoes, like, I mean, all he's known is the, is the Sabres organization and you know, he's got a number one job here if he wants it. Um, but also the demand for goalies is really high. Yeah. And if I'm him, I'm waiting until, I'm waiting to see what some of the offers are elsewhere and how those goal, how those, uh, how those goalie situations are, are setting up to look because at that point, I think somebody's going to be more desperate and somebody's going to give more money to make it work. And, you know, I, I see teams like, you know, like Carolina, honestly, you know, like that's, that's a team that has a, has a glaring hole ahead of Mrazic and, I think a lot of people will debate whether Olmark's a guy that can be your number one, but I, I think he can. Um, but I think you need to have, I think you have to have a one B with him because you know his health has always been an issue. Um, there's always games he's going to miss. At, at least that's been the trend. I mean, hey, maybe he turns it around next year and he has a full healthy season, which would be really good for him. Um, but if the Sabers don't keep Olmark, I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> what they're doing in that because. Right now, the only guys they've got are Dustin Tokarski and Uko Pekalukinen. Um, My favorite hockey name. Best in the name ever. Yeah. <laughs> and Lukinen's got to play a whole year in Rochester, as far as I'm concerned. Like yeah. you got you got kind of thrown into the mix in in Buffalo last year because of everybody getting hurt. Um, but that was you know his, his whole development timeline has gotten really shifted around just for different reasons. And, you know, COVID obviously was a big problem for him. You know, he had to play in Finland for part of last year. And, you know, two years ago, he was coming off double hip surgery, which, you know, I, you know, lots of goalies are getting that now, I guess. But for him, it was, he didn't get a whole off season to really train. You know, he, he had to spend like a part of it, like getting off crutches and then, you know, learning how to walk again, basically um, after having that surgery. And then, um, when you can't work out, I mean, you're not in the, you're not in the best shape and it takes you a while to get back into that playing shape. And, you know, he played a lot of that time in Cincinnati and looked great and, you know, got to Rochester and he looked a little overwhelmed and, but with goalies, like things can change year to year. We know that. And I think for a guy like him, that's, that's as young as he is year to year can, can mean just, you know, monumental growth between the years. And, you know, last year got totally screwed up. Um, from everything. So it's, I, you know, I'll be very curious to see how, how much further along he is this time around like this year, but I, I would need him to play a full year in Rochester. I don't, <laughs> I, I mean, if he plays his face off in camp and like earns a spot I'm okay, we'll see how it goes. But I'd be like, I'd be telling Rochester, like, get ready. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we, we, you might need to have him back there soon, but, uh, but they're going to need, I mean, they, they have to sign almost three NHL level goalies uh, this year just because you need to have that cushion so you can keep Lukanen playing in Rochester. I don't need him getting called up to be a backup in Buffalo. I don't need that. Um, and, you know, you've got Tukarski down there. Fine. But like he can be your number three or your, you know. Or just be your bench riding guy in Rochester. I it, fine. Like, you know, <laughs> Pretty much. find it. Yeah. Find a new home for him. Do whatever. He's a good soldier. You know, great that he got he got to win a game or two last year. Like that's awesome. Um, 
but that's about Great as far as that goes. <laughs> yeah, but like he's not your future. Um, but like they're they're gonna be scrambling if they if they can't get they're gonna be scrambling anyways if if even if they do get all marks signed because like I said I think you need three NHL guys NHL level guys in there and let's face it Buffalo's not gonna be a real marketable choice for a lot of these guys so and I know the Sabers aren't gonna want to throw a ton of money at any goalies and certainly not a lot of term um, so I it'll be really interesting to see how this how this all works out because. I said from the get-go, like even before the season was over, I said, you better get Allmark done because the rest of the free agent market for goalies stinks. Like you just, there's a lot of guys you don't want to invest in. There's a lot of guys you just don't want to deal with. And there's, there's already some guys that are coming off the board as is. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Buffalo's, <laughs> Buffalo's got problems there. <laughs> well, if there is one thing that uh, Buffalo is uh, certainly not in short supply of these days, it's drama. And storylines, yes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it feels like things are. It's kind of the the hotbed for um, uh, roster controversy and dressing room controversy and decision making and all sorts of it. Um, but we all we we appreciate knowing that we've got Joe Yurden to turn to to sort it all out for us. Um, Joe, uh, thank you so much for coming on today really great insight on uh, both the draft from the Sabres perspective and as well, uh, you know, this mess with, with Jack Eichel trades uh, to Philadelphia for Ristolainen and of course the goaltending situation. If you don't already follow Joe on Twitter, we recommend you do so at Joe Yerden. Uh, you can catch his work on AP sports and uh, die by the blade. And Joe, as always, we very much appreciate you joining us. Uh, I'm sure it will not be long before we have you back on the show again. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be looking forward to it, to talking with both you, with, with both you and Rick again in the future. And uh, hopefully things will be a little less dramatic with Buffalo next time. <laughs> hopefully it'll be good drama the next time. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. I think you've given the ability, I think we could probably talk to Joe Yurden for hours on end about a variety of topics. (laughs) Definitely. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, We thank Joe for coming on today. Always fun to talk to him. And he's just a wealth of knowledge. Be sure you're following him on Twitter if you're not already. Uh, We're going to take one last quick break. When we come back, we're going to go around the AHL and beyond and just get you caught up on some things happening in the hockey world outside of the NHL. And... uh, give you another feel-good finale before we send you on your way and get you ready for free agency this week. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media. 
digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back once again to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And hey, if you're not following us on Twitter already, be sure to follow Rick at All Habs for all of your Montreal Canadiens news. Uh, and you can follow me at Flyers Rule for a mix of Habs and Flyers uh, news and information and uh, the occasional hot take every now and then. <laughs> um, in this segment, we just want to get you up to date on a couple of things that are happening outside of the NHL. It's a very, very busy time of year, uh, oddly, for this for this year. Um, the AHL, of course, released their schedule last week, uh, just shortly after the NHL released their regular season schedule. And, Rick, the divisions are looking much more like they used to. Um it's going to be uh, a little different, uh, but but not necessarily playing just the same two opponents over and over and over again. Uh, divisions are a little wider than that. Uh, Laval will face two new opponents this year. Uh, they will be playing the Texas Stars for the first time. And, of course, with uh, the Vancouver Canucks moving their AHL affiliate out of Utica and uh, to Abbotsford. Uh, that means that uh, there's a new Canadian team in the AHL and, and the Laval Rocket will be playing the Abbotsford Canucks as well. So a couple of new opponents for the Laval Rocket and the Phantoms. Of, of course, we'll see uh, Hershey and Wilkes-Barre plenty, but of but they'll also be back with uh, Syracuse and, and Utica and Hartford and Bridgeport um, and uh, I believe Charlotte as well. So Most think about uh, riding buses in the AHL, but uh, this year there's going to be a couple of extra flights for the Laval Rocket. <laughs> that is true. A couple of extra flights. They do have that uh, very pretty, very pretty jet that takes them around, so... They'll get to use it a little bit more often. Uh, just a reminder, the 2021 USA Hockey World Junior Summer Showcase did start this past Saturday while the uh, second day of the draft was going on. Uh, if you didn't catch our coverage of it on Saturday and Sunday, be sure you're following at the AHL report. Uh, we will be uh, following along with um, the Habs and 
uh, Flyers prospects who are participating in the tournament uh, and keeping uh, you updated via the AHL report of how they're performing. That's Emil Andre and tu- uh, Samu Tuamala for Flyers fans. For Habs fans, that's Luke Tuck and Oliver Kapanen. Um, and in fact, we should be uh, also arranging some exclusive interviews with those four as well. So uh, be sure to keep an eye on the AHL report. We'll have full updates for you about how that tournament went uh, overall for the three teams involved, USA, Finland, and Sweden. But in particular, there's those four prospects on next week's uh, episode of the Press Zone. And Rick, um, it's not well, I shouldn't say it's not often. It's not ever that I really repeat a feel-good finale, but uh, last week's was so important that I think we're going to go back to it again this week. Uh, it is a very busy season right now as as the quote-unquote off-season is inundated with news and events that are all compacted into a short period of time. But really, now that the draft is in the books, things have kicked into gear for next season. And so as we make our plans to get ready for the next season ahead, uh, both at the NHL and the AHL and prospect level, uh, we are also looking to expand our team. And uh, Rick, this is the perfect time if anyone is interested in getting a little bit of experience uh, in the world of hockey media and uh, getting some training and uh, getting their name out there and and just... uh, learning a little more about what it's all about and how to do it the right way, uh, we would love to hear from them. If you're looking for uh, some experience, as you said, if you're looking to make connections in the hockey world, if you're looking uh, for some exposure for your work, uh, that's where uh, we come in. We can do that for uh, both young people who are um, uh, trying to gain experience um, in in, uh, the communications field, in, in any one of these uh, journalistic kind of fields, uh, or for an experienced hockey mind that has an interest in hockey, um, that uh, that just wants to get a reaction to to their work or some appreciation for it. Uh, if you're a writer, if you're a photographer, if you're um, any kind of, uh, if you can help us in any way with uh, uh, graphics, with uh, with uh, web development. Um, we, we're glad to have you as part of our team. Our, our team is very close-knit. It's, uh, it's uh, uh, one that works closely together. We enjoy working together, and I think you'd enjoy being part of it as well. Absolutely. I agree with you. So be sure to reach out to us if you head over, uh, if you if you go to the article post for this podcast on AHLreport.com, you'll see a link in the article that'll take you right to the Join Our Team page that we're You'll have a a form to fill out or just head over to allhabs.net or ahlreport.com. Look for the Join Our Team link and uh, just let us know that you'd be interested uh, and we will be in touch with you. Um, And with that, Rick, this was a fantastic show today. Thanks again to Russ Cohen and Joe Yurden for joining us. They they brought some really great insight and perspectives. Uh, And uh, as we said last week on our 200th episode, we, we really enjoy having... Uh, so many different voices join us here on the press zone and we look forward to many more. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting week ahead. So put uh, it- 
to put it lightly. For sure. <laughs> um, the off-season, there's an awful lot going on in a very short period of time, and uh, we'll try to make sense of, of most of it for you. Absolutely. So with free agency coming up and the remainder of the World Junior Summer Showcase, we'll have lots to talk about. So don't miss next week's episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.